Gracious Heavenly Father, as we come to your word on this Christ the King Sunday, Lord, speak to us. Speak into our lives where we are. I know that every single person in this room, they have thoughts on their mind. They have things on their hearts. Things they're going through. There are things they don't have answers for. There are struggles. Lord, I ask that you might, for this time, allow all of us to put our full attention on you, on your word, and that we might hear from you that the reality of the kingdom of God might become our everyday experience. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'd like you to be seated. Many of you know that I am a Mavericks fan, and I will tell you it is a good time to be a Mavericks fan. Because if you do not follow basketball, um, you are missing out right now. Luka Doncic is doing incredible things. Like really ridiculous, incredible things. Um, For example, last week against Golden State, Luka had a 35-point triple-double. 35 points, at least 10 rebounds, and 10 assists. And here's the thing, he did it in under 26 minutes. Nobody in the history of the NBA has ever done that. LeBron, Jordan, none of them. I mean, it, it's incredible what this kid is doing. And he outscored the Cleveland Cavaliers in the first quarter by himself in score, assists, and rebounds. He outscored their entire team by himself in the first quarter. This kid is doing crazy, ridiculous things, and he is 20. He's 20 years old. (laughs) He really is a kid, a 20-year-old kid. And he is just, I mean, last week, okay, so today, the Cowboys are playing the Patriots. That's a pretty big game. And the Cowboys ruled the DFW era. However, do you know what was on all the talk shows during the week? even leading up to a Patriot game, Luca. Like national shows, not just the local ones. This kid is everywhere. People love him. He is charismatic in all of us. Here's the question I have. He has over 300, or over 3 million Instagram followers and over a half a million Twitter followers. I want to know what this kid does with his influence. What does he do with this voice that he has suddenly been given because of all that he's accomplished, all these shows that are bringing him on? Now, I, personally, um, on the Redemption Twitter account, I have 126 followers. And on my personal account, I have 18. I have never recorded a triple-double. I have eaten three desserts in one sitting before. That's triple-something. Triple-dessert. But despite my lack of followers and my lack of triple-doubles, 
I still have influence. And every person in this room, you have influence. What are you doing with your influence? I was looking at some of Lucas' Twitter accounts, and it's interesting to me that he constantly talks about other players, but he's congratulating them. He congratulates them on extensions and contracts, new contracts. Um, it's all this very positive kind of, good job this, and that's awesome, and what are you doing with your influence? Today, we read out of Jeremiah, chapter 23, beginning in verse 1, with that single question, what do you do with your influence? So here's the passage. I'm going to read a portion of it. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. All right, real quick, I want to answer this question. Who are the shepherds? And Jeremiah here is referring to not actual shepherds in a field, which you probably would imagine that. That's not you know, rocket science. But he is referring to kings, prophets, priests, and, and this is why my question, anyone who influences others for God, or could. This may include, and you may be leading a Bible study, or a small group. This may be your own kids or grandkids. This may be a friend or family. This may be your spouse. Who is it in your life that you have influence over and could be influencing for the Lord? And what are you doing with it? So here's what they're doing. Again, back into our text. Therefore, verse 2, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold. And they shall be fruitful and multiply, and I will set shepherds over them who will care for them. And they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Here's the first thing that these shepherds did not get. These are God's people, not theirs. Notice the language throughout this. The sheep of my pasture who care for my people. You have scattered my flock. Notice that at the very core, the root of this, God says to the shepherds who have not been shepherding his people, these are my people. You see them as yours. You see them as if you're a king, these are my people, I can do what I want with them. As a prophet, the, the negative, the, the bad prophets, the false prophets, these are just people that I can manipulate into making things okay because I want everything to be okay. Most false prophets are saying everything's okay all the time. 
God says at the very, very core, we have to look at the people in our lives that God has allowed us to influence as His people. Whether you are talking, I did a Bible study, and there's a handful of people in it. Those are God's people. Not my Bible study. God's people in a study I happen to be reading. Or your kids. Those are God's people. He's letting you raise them, but you're raising them for Him. They're His people. Even to the point, I would say this, even your spouse, your spouse is a gift from God. You don't own your spouse, and they're not first your spouse. They're God's person that you get to have in your life. They didn't get this. Right? And think about the ways that we treat stuff, depending on who owns it. So every summer, we go to Colorado. We never stay in our home. Why? Because I don't have a home in Colorado. Anybody want to give me one? We have no home in Colorado. So we stay in other people's homes. And when we are in that home, do you know how careful we are with everything? I mean, we are careful with the plates. We're careful to make sure everything gets put back just the right way. When we are leaving, we have the whole checklist and we're like, everything's got to be exactly as it was. In a way, at times, even our kids are slightly more careful than when they get home and just go throw everything everywhere. Why? Because it's not ours. And we care for it in that way. We care for that thing because we know this home, this beautiful home, it belongs to somebody else. They're letting us stay in it. What if we thought about all the people in our life in that way? These are God's people. And we are getting the privilege, the gift of being able to speak into their lives, to lead them, to shepherd them. But not for our sake for his sake and for their sake, what would change if that's how we approached parenting, grandparenting? What would change if that's how we approached our work? I know many of you have people that worked for you. What if you saw the people that you worked, that worked for you as, you know, these people are God's people made in his image, not mine. How do I care for them? Because I'm doing it for him. These shepherds could not see these were God's people, and it led them to treat them in poor ways. And that leads to the second thing. Not only were the shepherds not shepherding God's people as God's people, but they were also not shepherding God's people in God's ways. They were shepherding them in their ways. What did they want? What was important to them? What meant the most? It was not about, well, God, what do you have for the people of Israel? What is it you want them to know? What is it you want them to live like? No, it was, what do I want? What would make me happy? What would help my heart, my future, my dreams? But you know what? If you step back and you go, Wait, these are God's people. 
Should I not be leading them in God's ways if they're his people? That's not what they were doing. They were choosing their ways. And I'll tell you this, as we are leading, or we are influencing, again, take the whole gamut. whether you're a manager at a job and you've got people, whether you're leading a Bible study or leading a church, whether you're leading your children, whether you're talking about your spouse or a friend, wherever you have influence, can you start with, that is God's person. They're a gift that I even get to be a part of their lives. And I need to raise them in his ways, or I need to influence them in his ways. I need them to see who he is. What they're doing reminds me of what I was listening to this week on NPR. So all of the impeachment hearings that were going on, this is the thing that drives me nuts. Some senator is giving some testimony, and right in the middle of the testimony, and it's some key part, right in the middle of the testimony, this happens, and the person keeps talking, but gets quiet because this happens. You are listening to NPR right now, and this is Senator Blah 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 from Blah Blah Blah. They are talking about this, blah blah blah, blah 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 blah. And then you're back, and you're like, what in the world did he just say? And you miss it every time. And here's the thing I think what they believe is people are tuning in about every two minutes. Because this just keeps happening. They reintroduce the same people, even the witnesses, and it's the same thing. It goes way down. And this is NPR again, and we are doing this right now. Now stop! I can't actually hear the voice of the person I'm supposed to be listening to. Are your actions, are your words, are the ways that you are treating people making it so they can't really hear the voice of God because yours is so loud? Or are you voicing the very things that God wants? Every person in this room has influence. In your life, in fact, you have multiple influences in your life. But every person in your life belongs to God, not to you. And you are given an opportunity to influence them in God's ways not my ways or your ways. And in order for that to happen, one thing has to be true. If you actually want to do this, if you want to shepherd, whether it is a Bible study, it is people you supervise, it is your children or your grandchildren or your spouse or a good friend, if you want to be the kind of shepherd that God calls us to be, you need this one thing. Verse 5. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king, and deal wisely, and shall execute justice and righteousness in the, in the land. In his days, Jew will be saved. Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Here's the one thing we must have. You have to be led by the good shepherd. If you are not letting yourself be led by the righteous branch, by the good shepherd as Jesus calls himself in John, 
If you are not experiencing what it means to be led by Him, you will not know how to lead others. You will not know how to influence others. You will not have the strength to do it. Because sometimes what it means to be influenced for God is going to require a sacrifice on your own. That sacrifice is so much easier to do when you recognize what God is already doing for you. And so I'm going to talk about a couple of the ways that the shepherd, the good shepherd, is offering to shepherd each once. Are we realizing it? Are we seeing it? Are we letting ourselves be led? Number one, and this should be the most obvious because it's always talked about when you talk about Christ. And for good reason, it's central to what he did. One of the ways that the shepherd shepherds you and me is by forgiveness. And what I want you to realize is when he forgives you, he no longer treats you as a sinner. He treats you as a son or a daughter. That's the kind of shepherding he's doing. He is saying, I know you have really messed up. Everybody in this room has. Everybody on this planet has. But I have forgiven you. And I'm going to treat you as a son or a daughter. That is one of the ways that he shepherds. And it's available to us. Number two. Affirmation. There was a woman that came in and she wept at his feet and it had to be the most embarrassing thing to do, especially in this culture. There's a dinner going on with all of these religious leaders and popular people and she comes in and she begins weeping at his feet. And this is what he says to her out loud. Go in peace. Your faith has saved you, has made you well. There's an affirmation that he gives where he says to us, you are loved. I know sometimes you don't feel that way, but you are loved. There are times when you feel like you're a failure and he says, I'm going to lift you up. Go in peace. Have my peace. My peace I give to you, not as the world gives. There's an affirmation in Jesus and it's part of the shepherding. If I were to ask you right now, and don't please don't do this, but if I were to ask you right now to raise your hand if you ever need encouragement, every hand would go up. If I asked you to raise your hand if you needed encouragement last week, probably every hand would go up. Possibly 75% if I said this morning. Because part of the way that he shepherds us is to remind us you are loved. You are cared for. I'm giving you my peace. By the way, I know your weakness. And instead of attacking you for your weakness, I want to lift you up. I mean, think about the words of Paul. In our weakness, he is strong. Not in our weakness, he judges you. But in our weakness, he is strong. There's affirmation in his shepherd. And you all know, what does it mean to a child when you're like, you did so well in that. You just watched them like being right. Because we all need it. He gives it. Number three. 
He is with us through everything. The last thing he says after he, after, sorry, in Matthew, the last thing Matthew says, it's not really the last thing he says, the last thing he says in Matthew is, I will be with you always until the end of the ages. Do you know that your shepherd never abandons you? Ever. He is the one who is standing on the porch waiting for you to come back. He is the one who said, there's 99 right there, but you have wandered away. I'm going after you. He is the one. We read the gospel passage with Peter. I mean, that passage is kind of horrendous. Jesus says, you're going to deny me. Peter goes, no, I'm not. I would never deny you. Peter, you're lying to me. You're lying to my face. You're going to deny me. In fact, you're going to do it before the rooster crows three times. And here's the thing. You're going to do it at maybe the worst possible moment you could do it. I will be on trial for my life and publicly where I can hear. Here I am on trial for my life and I will hear you say, I don't even know the man. And there will be eyes. Now you would think after all that, the shepherd would be like, you're a lost sheep. If you're done, get out of here. But where do we find Jesus in John 21? He is on the shore looking for Peter. Why? To restore him. Because he says, I am always going to be with you. Always. Even when you do the most worst and hurtful things to me, I don't give up. That's our shepherd. Whatever you have done to God, Whatever you have done against God, he will still come to the shore and say, come here, I want to restore you. That's our shepherd. And lastly, he gives us nourishment. I mean, a shepherd is supposed to lead the sheep to green pasture, right? To still water, give them peace. He gives us nourishment. He has given us prayer to talk with him at any point. He's given up the scriptures that we would know spiritually what we need to grow and to thrive. He's given us each other as a community. He's given us the nourishment that we need to grow and to thrive as believers or in the passage here as sheep. We can be really, really fluffy, woolly sheep because he's given us what we need. Now, just think about those four things. We could go on, there's more, but all of these are pretty big ideas in Scripture. The good shepherd offers you complete forgiveness. Not I forgive you, but still hate you, but I forgive you, and I treat you as a son or daughter. He gives affirmation, knowing that we are weak, knowing that we stumble, Instead of saying, how dare you do that? He says, I'm actually strong in your weakness and you are still loved and stand up and I'm behind you. And he says, I'm with you always. I don't care how bad it gets. I am still with you. And by the way, I will let you know, I am still with you. I'll keep telling you, I'm still with you. And I'm giving you the nourishment you need. But we got to follow. Have you ever had to follow another car. 
they're going somewhere, they know where they're going, so you're just falling behind them. Did you ever get lost? Get to a you know, stoplight and they made it through. You're like, oh, please! Or a car moves between the two of you, and it's a big one. You're like, wait, where are they still there? And you're looking, and amazingly enough, it actually takes some concentration to follow. Like, it takes actually putting that attention and going, I gotta watch where this person is going. Because if I start to blah, 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 look, oh, goodness, where'd they turn? If we're not watching, they're going to be gone. If you want to follow Jesus, he'll circle back for you over and over and over and over and over again. However, you're not going to get very far unless we are following. The shepherd says, I'm giving you all this. Will you follow? And it takes our attention. It takes us paying attention to him. It takes making our lives centered on him and his kingdom to actually embrace what he is offering. And why do we need to embrace it? Let's go back to the beginning. How are you using your influence? Whether it is a job, in a church setting, with your kids, with somebody you love, how are you using your influence? Because what he does right here, would you agree with me? That is really hard to do. I mean, to love somebody like that, just constantly, always, that's hard. But part of the way we do it is by knowing he's doing it for us. He is shepherding us. He is loving us in that way. And then inviting us to say, now I want you to shepherd the gifts of people that I've put in your life that are my people. I want you to come to them and say, right, this is one of God's people. And I'm going to shepherd them like he shepherded me. That is what we have the opportunity and invitation to do. Now I asked the question how Luca was using his influence and I shared some of his Twitter account. I was just, I don't know, I was kind of blown away by this. He had a game where he scored 42 points, had 11 rebounds and 12 assists. Only LeBron James has done that before the age of 21 besides for Luca. I mean, it's an incredible game. People start doing this. And after the game, they always do the interviews, right? And always go to the stars. So how did you feel? You know, what's going on? What were you in there? All these things. And they go to Luca. And here's what Luca does. There's another player on the Mavs. His name is Dorian Finney-Smith. And that game, he scored 22 points. Now, 22 is nothing compared to 42. He did not have all the assists. He did not have all the rebounds, but he scored 22 points. And it is the high he has ever scored. Luca said this. They asked him the question about himself, and he goes, he's an amazing defender. He can dribble. He can shoot. He's all over the court. He's helping us, not just me, but the whole team. He's one of the keys to our team. He takes this massive platform, and he uses it to build somebody else up on his team. Not himself, but somebody else. What are you doing with your platform? No matter how small, how big, what are you doing with your platform? We have the opportunity to be shepherded and then to shepherd, to influence those in our lives for God.